Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 29. We've learned in the beginning of chapter 2 that Paul has this dialogue partner. He is talking to this fictional person. You'll notice in the grammar of this chapter, it is the second person singular, this you that he speaks to, you singular. And this mythical, fictional person we learn in our reading today is a Jew. So this prototypical Jew, a Jew that's a a teacher of the law, a Jew that is boastful in their salvation. So far we've learned it's a Jew that looks down upon the Gentiles and for their sin and their adultery. And now Paul is going to take this Jew to task once again as we close out chapter 2. So let's look at our reading this is Romans 2, 17 through 18. Once again, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. But if you call yourself a Jew and you rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in dark in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, and then you who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one who inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. To say this is difficult would be an understatement. You're probably thinking all of chapter 2 is difficult. So there's some difficulties here, and I'll lay those out for you and give you some alternative interpretations and let you kind of work through that for yourself. But verse 17, once again, we get the identity. This is a Jew. And Paul, as you read through these first few verses of our reading, gives five privileges for this Jew that he's speaking with. First of all, they rely upon the law. There's this reliance upon the law of Moses. I believe in this passage, this is specifically the law of Moses. They boast about their relationship with God. They know God's will. They approve what is superior and what is right. And they are instructed by the law. Now, none of those in and of themselves, maybe boasting in your relationship with God would be a negative, but pretty much those are not negative items at all. So we have to be careful not to misread this passage and misconstrue what Paul is really upset about. And that that can be very difficult. Bringing our 21st understanding, our post-Protestant Reformation uh, lenses to this argument can get us into hot water. Here's what we cannot do. And I've heard this so many times in interpreters, and, and we cannot do this. We need to understand what Paul is talking about. He is talking about Second Temple Judaism. What I mean by Second Temple Judaism, that is the Judaism that came about and developed 
once the temple was rebuilt after they came back from Babylonian captivity. Paul's argument in beef is not with the Roman Catholic Church. I think a lot of times we read that into this passage or other passages of Paul. So let's understand what we're dealing with. And Paul is going to use some technical terms that we need to parse through. Let me give you an interpretive key that's going to help you in Romans, and it's helped me a lot. When Paul typically talks about the works of the law, that is a technical term that developed or a technical phrase that developed in the intertestament period, the period between the writing of Malachi and Matthew. And works of the law meant three things specifically, circumcision, dietary kosher food laws, eating by the strict code of Judaism, and observing certain holy days. And those three things came to be known as works of the law. So a lot of times when Paul is saying works of the law, that's what he's talking about, and that gets us confused. We need to understand when he's talking about the word law, is he talking about the law of Moses, a certain type of law that works as a force against us, When he uses the word flesh, that can be confusing. So I just want you to think about these things as we parse through these passages and and look through them and sift through it. Paul does not have a beef against the law. Okay, The law of Moses came from God. The law of Moses, its weakness was it's dealing with humanity. We're the problem. Sinful humanity is the issue. So Judaism per se practiced properly with the understanding of messianic hope, with the understanding of the need for grace was not a bad thing. It's when Judaism was turned into something that it wasn't intended to be, where traditions were added, traditions of men, where self-righteousness came about, where people didn't have a contrite heart. That is what Paul's argument is against. We need to understand that as you read through this. So he tells us, okay, you guys in verse 19 are supposed to be a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. Now, that can be looked at as a negative. Now, who do they think they are to be a blind to the God. But actually, that's what Israel was called to do. You can go back and look at Isaiah 42, 6 through 7, and we're told there to be a lot to the to the nations, to the goyim, to the, the nations around them, the Gentiles. God put them, I think, now this is my opinion, take it if you want it, but God put Israel in a certain geographical spot for a reason. When you look at Israel, how they linked up so many continents, the continent of Asia and Africa, I mean, that was a very important little parcel of land, and Israel was right in a major intersection of culture. And so by Judaism being there, by God's law being there in Israel, they were to be a light to the nations. Now, they did not do that well. They did not live up to that calling. So the fault was theirs, not God's plan. We need to get that straight. God's plan is always good, but sometimes we mess up God's plan as human beings. So in verses 21 through 24, what you're going to notice is hypocrisy. Paul's main argument is this. Don't make a claim and have bad conduct. Don't do that. Don't make certain claims. Don't preach certain things and not practice what you preach. Now, he names three things specifically that some people find kind of odd. Theft, adultery, and sacrilege. And when were the Jews guilty of that? Well, obviously, there were some Jewish teachers probably there in Rome who were guilty of misconduct of some kind, possibly. And then Paul says, okay, you can't do that. You can't be hypocritical. And you actually, your hypocrisy leads to God's name being blasphemed among the nations. In verse 24, when he talks about, for it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, he's quoting from Isaiah 
52 verse 5. And what Isaiah is talking about is when Israel was taken into Babylonian captivity, the pagan nations blasphemed God saying, look at God's people. I mean, they, they're in kept captivity. God, Their God's not protected them. So God's name was blasphemed by the pagan nations because of the conduct of Israel. And now this hypocritical behavior, this trying to be a teacher of others, but then being guilty of, of the sins you're preaching against, actually, once again, causes God's name to be blasphemed. And that's that's a heavy thing. I think we should think about that as Christians. I mean, are, are we carrying God's name well? One way to look at the Ten Commandments where it talks about you know, not to use God's name in vain. Literally, you could look at that as how you carry God's name. Are you blaspheming God's name by how you walk about this world? So how do we act as ambassadors of Christ? Do they look at us and see you know, the behavior God would want in his people? Are we hypocritical just like these Jews? That could be, be the question we could ask. Before we point the accusing finger at them and go, why do they behave this way? We need to ask the question, are we behaving in similar patterns in our social media habits and how we interact with other people? Can people look at our Facebook page and our account and go, you're blaspheming God by your hypocrisy? Something to think about. Something to think about. So obedience. God wants our heart. Now, it gets down here to the end where there was a belief in Judaism that was around at this time that if a person was circumcised, they would not go to Gehenna. They would not go to Gehenna, which is hell. So a circumcised person, this outward act, they were safe, so to speak. And Paul's like, no, it doesn't work that way. God wants your heart. You know, circumcision was not bad, but he wanted your heart. If you were circumcised on the outside and your heart was corrupt, then your circumcision mattered nothing. And he says, look, what if a Gentile who's not circumcised obeys the law and gives his heart to God that obedience and that heartfelt faith of a Gentile becomes circumcision to that Gentile. Now, I will tell you, this is a point of conflict with interpreters, is this Gentile that Paul is talking about who obeys the law and becomes circumcised by that obedience, so to speak, metaphorically, is this a real person or is this a metaphor? Is this another literary device? Good Bible scholars are divided on that point, and, and I don't really honestly care about which way you go with that because it really doesn't change much in your interpretation. It's not worth arguing about. Paul's point is this, and, and we can't miss the point. The point is God wants your heart, and he is going to drive deep the point that that is the problem with humanity. We've got to have a new heart. We need the Holy Spirit to come into us and change us from the inside. Without the Holy Spirit's activity, we are right back to the same condition that these people find themselves in in Romans 1 and 2. Without the Spirit, you are going to be locked up in your sin, just like the Jews that he's talking about here. The law is not the problem. It's the sinful flesh. It's the template the law has to work with. So there has to be a heart transplant. There has to be a renewal of the heart which is what Paul will talk about later in this book and talks about it in other places in the New Testament as well. So as we look at the overall argument of this passage, you've got this Jewish person who is being hypocritical. They're teaching. They're not practicing what they preach. And it, it actually brings blasphemy to God's name because of that kind of activity. And we learned the important point here is God wants our hearts to change. He wants our hearts. 
He wants our humble obedience, and that's only going to come through the activity of the Spirit in our lives. Well, I hope chapter 2, I know it's challenged you because it's challenged me. It is difficult to understand, but I hope you're you're growing in in your understanding of this difficult book. And I look forward to tackling chapter 3. It's going to get interesting next week, so I hope you come back on Monday. We'll have our psalm on Monday as usual, and we'll delve into chapter 3 next week. God bless. Hope you have a great weekend.